Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. Our guest this week is Jeremy Wexler, who is the founder of Theater Wit. We are in this great new facility. Thank you. Congratulations on, on the Theater Wit. Uh, for those of you who might not know, this is in the old Bailiwick building at 1229 West Belmont. Yes. Right address? Right. Tell us how this started, it, it, especially in this day and age when some theater companies have, have been going under, others' uh, venues are falling apart. How did you put this together? And tell us the story about it. Uh, we actually started Theater Wit in 2003 uh, with the express idea of building a theater space and and putting a theater in it. Oh, so that was always in your mind. That was always that was always part of the plan. So we actually had located a couple candidate spaces. One of the spaces we pursued quite far, and it didn't fall apart until 2005. Um, so our goal was uh, was always to be a theater in a specific location, in a home. Um, uh, and I had looked at uh, a larger, a slightly larger venue, because as an equity theater, we need to have that that, that ability to hold capacity. Uh, and uh, I also just think that, you know, there was a dearth at the time of 99-seat houses. Most of them had gotten condoed out from 1996 yeah, to 2002. True. Every single 99-seat house in the city got turned into condominiums. Um, and it was really having this terrible depressive uh, quality on theaters who couldn't grow because all of a sudden you had to be in a 60-seat house or a 150-seat house. And what happens then is you have a show that's popular, that's successful. Um, if you can't sell those extra 30, 40 tickets a weekend on Friday and Saturday nights, there goes your profit. There goes your chance to build the company. Doesn't it affect, too, your equity contract? It, it uh to a certain not isn't, not not perceptibly the difference between a seventy seat and a ninety nine seat house unless you have a very high ticket price uh, doesn't affect your equity contract in any okay. in any substantive way. Um, but how about a hundred and fifty seat house? Was that put you uh, in another plateau? Uh, yes, uh, at a hundred and fifty seat, it, it it could it there was certainly a case where it uh, had us add an equity contract, which I'm never actually that sad to do. Um, but yes, the uh, the equity math is so based on the maximum possible attendees, okay. not the likely number of attendees. Um, so, uh, so that that can be adds to the risk factor. Yes, yeah. certainly you have to. You got to. You know, so, 99 is the, is is your ideal. Yeah, I think I think it's the ideal for almost any kind of you know small ish equity company such as ours. Um, uh, and it, as well as you had a bunch of uh, non equity companies who are having the same problem, they couldn't sh go equity. Mm -hmm. Couldn't go equity because you know it doesn't seem like much. You know, let's say it's an extra twenty five tickets a weekend. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it's the difference between a show losing five thousand dollars or making ten. Wow. Um, if you're over an eight-week run, it makes a big difference. Yeah, I can see um, that. So losing those extra seats was really having this, and, and the ability to be in venues like that was ha having this weird effect where a whole bunch of companies were falling into what I kind of felt was a holding pattern where they just couldn't grow. They couldn't get ahead. Um, so uh, uh, and you had to do one of two things. You had to perform a space too small which some people did, or in a space too large, which is what we did. So we were paying too much in rent, and other people were losing too much in ticket sales. You know, how do you grow? How do you, how do you build up the, the company? So that was that was the idea for the 99-seat size. And obviously, we once we found this property, we expanded it to be three 99-seat theaters. Uh, it was not specifically our intention to build a multi-theater complex. Um, that was uh, an idea that developed uh, as we looked Well, in a way, because you could have made this 250-seat, 300-seat. 
We could have, right? but yeah. you know, there's uh, uh, I don't need 250 seats. And yeah. There's you know, there's a couple of those theaters available, and you know, they have lots of capacity, so there's no reason that we need another one in the in the scene. So part of your marketing and your knowledge of the, the theater scene, you you realized in that ninety the three ninety nine seats theaters are are in demand. Yes, yeah. uh, uh, definitely. Yeah. And, and in fact, I I know that they're in demand because. Um, apart from our productions, we're um, we are ninety five percent booked in all the spaces from September first through June first of, of this coming year. Great. So you know, I, 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 it, that part of my plan worked out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and probably um, some of them had the book while you were uh, just remodeling this place because you gutted this entire building. Yes, uh, it, it's so, really a you know, for all practical purposes a brand new building with an old, with an older little facade, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. we, you know, we cleaned up the facade, but yeah. yes, we, we actually, we, we, we took the building down to the walls and the roof, so there's not a single scrap of anything that remains. Even the floor we're on has been re-poured, um, so wow. it's flat. Uh, we had to redo, the, we redid the plumbing, we redid, all obviously, all of the electrical, we redid all of the acoustics, we redid the soundproofing, we redid all the HVAC, so it, it's essentially a brand new building, except not having to build the shell, of course, is a huge so when we come in it, we won't freeze to death or sweat to death like the old Bailey. Yeah, well, that, well, you know, it's actually one of the uh, one of the things that we we had to w- walk through is because uh, I was always frustrated as as an audience member, but also as a producer. You know, here I am, I go to a show, and when I walk in the theater in the dead of winter. It's eighty five degrees. Why is it eighty five degrees? The reason is because the air conditioning and the heating is so noisy you can't turn it on during the show. So what you do is you heat the theater up to boiling. Then you let the heat leak out during Act 1. By intermission, the theater's pretty comfy. Then you turn the heat on during intermission to try to build up a little more. You turn it off right as intermission is over. It keeps blowing for the first 10 minutes of Act 2. Then it turns off. Uh, and then by the end of Act 2, everyone's freezing. Yeah, so, I've experienced uh, that. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and it, it actually all has to do with the way that the HV systems are des- designed. If you build a building just to city code, the vents, which are, per, are, are the, the size of the vents that you need to have for a, a, a space with the public in it, are under spec. So you have to have um, big fans to move the air through the space. You can't have people breathing and not take the, ox- the carbon dioxide out. So the air comes into the space and it comes out of the space. Okay. And it's the vents that pull the air out of the space that need a pretty powerful fan. And that's what you hear. Uh-huh. Um, so what we did is we put in these uh, six and a half foot high vents. They're like you know they're much bigger than you would need for a space of this size. Wow! So that the the draw the fan does not have to be nearly so powerful. I mean, when you saw the show, the the heating and air conditioning was on, it was running. I wouldn't um, have known it. Right. Yeah. So and and you know and so a lot of the things about this building it's interesting because on the one hand we have these huge epic sweeping artistic goals and then but a lot of things about construction always come down to very specific things that bugged me about producing plays and you know and so I you like, used your experience and and you went for all the little details. Right. I, I think I think it's one of the things that I wanted to do was remove the obstacles to experiencing a play from the audience and from the designers. I mean, look at, for instance, I mean, one of the things that we were so excited when this building became available was the fact it's a type of construction that isn't allowed to be built anymore. Um, it's called bow arch construction, and it means you have clear spans. There's no there's no there's no supports in the whole building. The building's held up by these these beams that stretch from wall to wall and hold the roof up. You know, I never noticed that, but now that you say it, and I'm looking through the way you have the open ceiling, yeah, you can tell that. Yeah, so there's no there, there's no supports for the roof except these cross beams, and the reason these these buildings aren't allowed to be built anymore 
uh, is because they require a lot of maintenance because you have to keep the, the trusses in good shape so the building doesn't implode. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when we came in here, a number of the trusses had not been serviced for some time, so they were splitting, they were breaking. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of so it was, snow on the roof is yeah, a problem. It, these things, so it could have potentially... Yeah, sometime in the future. As the structural engineer explained to me that if uh, so, there was one truss that was actually cracked about a third of the way through, and the the structural engineer uh, looked at it. It's probably fine. But he said if one truss snaps, the weight of the building and the roof collapses all of the others in quick succession. So it takes the building about four minutes to implode after one truss breaks. Wow! So we had to replace <laughs> some trusses. We had to redo. We had wire, you know all these iron supports and and, and to get this there. But what does this allow for a theater that isn't building a building from scratch, like in a big warehouse framing, steel frame environment, is uh, clear span on the stages. You know, think about uh, Shattered Globe is coming to be one of our resident companies yeah. in uh, September. Congratulations they, on that, because they're one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, yeah. terrific. And yeah. I, I worked with them last year, and I, I had a great time. Yeah, you've done shows for them, yeah. sure. Um, and uh, uh, they've been working at the greenhouse with a post in the dead center of the stage right. for the last you know, five years, four years, five years. Um, when Kevin came in to see the space in its raw form, I don't think he could see the proportions of the theater or anything except the lack of a post in the middle. Well, he's, he's, he's a big set design man. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. and he, he's, he is the city's foremost expert on how to work around that post. Yeah. I talked to an audience member who's a subscriber at Shattered Globe who was here at the show last night. And I mentioned the post. And they said, what post? <laughs> I mean, amazing. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but you know, yeah. how can we knock? How can we knock all of these obstacles that get between an audience and a play? We spend a lot of time and effort as theaters trying to get a play and its audience together in the same room to let that thing happen, and then you know, and and all of those little things, which in some ways sound really trivial, like you know, you know but no, they can. I control you know, and the right, sticks and you know, sound bleed between the theaters. We worked really hard to minimize the amount of yeah. You got doors that action. that my God would would. Would hold up in a nuclear explosion. Yeah, yes, because I mean, as we have, done, we 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 built all of the spaces with multiple layers between themselves, and also the lobby. I think when people come to the lobby, they want to talk to their friends in multi-use spaces. People always run in the lobby saying, "Shh, shh, right. shh." Um, well, wh- wh- where's the fun there? You know, I want to. Plus, people don't they ignore it anyhow. And they ignore yeah. you exactly. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> so a lot of this has to do with removing those annoyances, not because we're you know specifically going to try to provide some sort of luxury theater-going experience, but you know. I want to make sure that the, the conduit between the play and the audience is clear of, and free. And, and boy, as, a, as someone who goes every night to theater, and a lot of my listeners uh, you know, go to quite a bit of theater, right. what you're doing makes such sense. It never ceases to amaze you know, people either build or remodel a show, then they'll have uncomfortable seats, the sight lines are bad, you know, they just made just fundamental mistakes. Two stalls in the women's, John. I know you yes. went out of your way to make because that's the biggest complaint you hear. Biggest complaint, yeah. Everyone hates waiting in line, and the intermission goes long, and it causes this thing. And we had three hundred, we have potentially three hundred people here in an evening. Yeah. So even though those intermissions are probably staggered, kind of move, you know, they have to move people through. You know, no one wants to have intermission last twenty one minutes because yeah. they're just waiting for the line to clear. Nobody, you know, and that's that. what happens in a lot of theaters I yeah. go to. Yeah. Um, Yes, you know, stage left is extremely excited because, of course, their bathroom, yeah. the existing space is behind the stage. So yeah. during intermission, you have to walk across the stage and, and hang out on stage and wait to go. And, and there's one bathroom. So uh, I think when their patrons come here, they're going to be dancing in the aisles. Yeah. Well, you have a big <laughs> lobby. Where, yes. You know, it's it it makes the building look bigger, but there's plenty of room. I could see you forming lines and actually sitting two shows at one time if you had to. 
Yeah, I yeah. think, and I think you know, uh, we we designed it so that you know we had some queuing ability for us with the back theaters mm-hmm. to stretch down this long hallway. Um, so yeah, you can run two shows. You can see two shows at a time. Um, uh, uh, I think three shows would be a little crowded. Yeah, but um, but at least but, uh, two, and that and that says a lot because I I've been a lot of theaters that you're you're herded like cattle and you're half out the door for one show because right. the lobbies are just. Yeah, aren't adequate. Yeah. The, the other thing that we uh, wanted to do was make sure that the, uh, uh, I wanted to have not three different start times because I think, and working for years in a rental facility that would only let one show start at a time, mm-hmm. I would have plays that would have to start at 7.45. I find this maddening because I just don't think that's a time people remember well. 7.30, right. 8, okay. 7.45, I always had people showing up 25 minutes early or worse, 20 minutes late. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I wanted to make sure. That I agree with you. And no one believes that's accurate. Right. Because in our minds, and I know I put the starting time on all my reviews, and I I look three or four times when it's a seven. There's eight fifteens I've yeah, seen. Eight fifteens and, 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 and 7.45s. Yeah. The stagger time. And we'll see. We'll see what happens when we get everyone in here and how, how livable it is. But the lobby was designed to comfortably hold about 175 people. And so, you have a nice, nice little bar. Uh, yeah. Are you going to be serving... Liquor and beer. Yeah, and so? uh, yeah. we're uh, in the midst of that license application process. Good so luck. We'll go the <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, everyone's backing it. Uh, it's just the amount of time it takes to yeah. wind its way through the cities. And you have tables. you have plenty of room for. I, I, I assume you're going to be putting tables or some chairs yeah, we're out. Get some limited tables and yeah. chairs because the other thing that you know we started with the show, uh, which actually has been quite successful, is after every show, I'm offering complimentary coffee and snacks. Um, to the audience, so as part of getting them used to the as as part of I think what the theater experiences, I think that Good. you know we want you know if what we're selling in the theaters is amongst the, is in addition to this chance to have this kind of group experience of this of of the show, there's the ch- the sense of community, and I want to encourage people to stay and talk to them to each other and uh, meet other people and talk to the performers and 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 be able to hang out uh, in in a, a, a you know a so are these environment are these sort of I won't say structured but the these aren't these are planned events. No, that we do this now, but they're okay. not. They're not structured. They're, I mean, literally, I'm bringing everyone out here, thanking them for coming, offering them free snacks, like uh, like a temple. Okay. You know, after service, you go for some bagels. You Sorry, go for I don't coffee. go to temple, but okay. Yes, should take my word right. for it. Catholic That's Church, they charge, but yes, okay, exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Um, uh, so you know, and, and and really, the goal is to you know encourage people to you know uh, uh, interact. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't. I it's, again, that's a more an audience thing for me is I don't like it when I go to a theater, I come out of the theater, the lobby's dark, they're hustling you out because they you know, got a billion staff, they got to get everyone out the door and close yeah. up the building. Yeah. You know, I was like, you know, I'd like to stay in and, and talk. Well, I've been in a lot of where, where that's good. Or you start talking to your friends or whatever, and it's usually about the show and then you're out freezing. Right. So outside. Freezing outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that was, uh, so part of that is to give that kind of audience and community experience uh, that I think is, is, you know, an essential part of going to live theater now. What about this upstairs? Tell us about the the, the runway and the and, oh, yes. and the rooms. That's that's unique. It's another part of your experience. Well, the the um, so uh, in the theater, there's a kind of uh, this cross bridge that kind of cuts across the the uh, the lobby, and it turns out to be my favorite thing in the lobby. Yeah, it's it actually is. entirely coincidental. We were going to put the uh, there's a lot of furnaces and. Uh, uh, air conditioning units because each space has separate temperature controls and the separate ones are the lobby and the offices and the booths. It's a ton of stuff. Okay. So we'd wanted to put all this up on these huge platforms on the roof to keep that space open. 
And this city said, uh, no, 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 there's no way to structurally support that. The engineers looked and they're like, yes, you're right. They will kill everybody. So um, so we had to build this kind of steel box over the bathrooms to keep all the equipment in. And we had to provide a way to get to it. So I suggested like a grid or scaffolding, something theatrical. Mm-hmm. And uh, the architect went and found this uh, lovely bridge and he found these cool uh, iron, uh, these vintage iron posts uh, yeah, that he also installed. Um, which uh, we weren't sure if we are going to get, but I wanted to get because I think people like to lean on something when they're chit-chatting, mm-hmm. and they don't like to lean against walls. So, uh, yeah, you have those columns. Yeah, those sort of Greek columns. That, right. that gives it sort of a theatrical flair. Um, so, uh, but then the rest, of, and then, so this ended up being the key architectural feature in the lobby, and it's entirely kind of an accident of the building. Um, uh, and then we kept all the space open, so the spaces are designed so that the performers and the crew and all of that can move from the theaters to the performance spaces to the uh, backstage areas to the dimmer rooms and to the booths without cutting through the house or the uh, lobby. Cool. Um, and the reason is is because, one, I get very nervous when I'm seeing a play and I see the stage manager five minutes after the show's supposed to start hustle out of the booth and run yeah. nervous yeah, I out have the to. door. Yep. I think to myself, oh, God, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, uh, uh, we've had the problem for Santa Land Diaries, which has huge crowds, mm-hmm. of physically getting through the crowds to, you know, and finding the house manager to, you know, to, to, to get things going. Yeah. Um, so I want to make sure that, you know, uh, they, they were able to do that. But I didn't want this to feel like, you know, uh, uh, you know, a larger theater where the, the backstage areas are entirely sequestered from the public. I think we like um, interacting and seeing and seeing the artists that are going to perform for us, you know, in the building and, yeah. and, and living. Yeah, I think that so adds So we kept a it all open. So from the lobby, you can see people scurrying around up there. You can. And they can go to and from their dressing rooms, they too. They go from their dressing rooms. They can shout down at their friends. They can do whatever they do. Um, uh, by the way, I could see your bridge if it yes. is a perfect place to have little... Uh, either press conferences or little talk back kind of things yes after a uh, show they could kind of be standing out there. right <laughs> i mean you're, you're, you'll find some creative ways of using it. oh yeah well um, congratulations on the building it is it is just amazing uh, yeah. uh, I, I really I, think it's going to be the, the, the nicest place to see you know theater of this size bar none and we were talking before we went on the air uh, uh, i said it was almost an insult to call it a a storefront theater give us your take on that because you you obviously have a different yeah, connotation. Well, I mean, and the thing is, I love storefront theaters. I've well, I do too. Yeah. I've worked for them, you know, for them for twenty years, and I think that that experience is one that I'm comfortable with, and that I'm, I'm comfortable bringing to people. So, in fact, and when I design, so when we design the spaces, each of the individual spaces is designed to feel like a really nice storefront theater. Um, You've accomplished small, that, it sure does. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, there's three of them in the building, so the building itself is obviously a pretty large venture for mm-hmm. for a storefront. So. Um, but, you know, it, it is for that type of theater, for that type of experience. You know, we're not looking at big spectacles. You know, even I know like the Bohemian Theater Ensembles, another one of our resident companies is coming here. They do a musical every year. It's obviously going to be bigger than the ones they stage in their small space up in Rogers Park. Um, but it's not going to be, you know, a full orchestra experience. It's still going to feel like, you know, a tight-knit, ensemble-driven, mm-hmm. uh, intimate experience. Um, so, you know, the building, you know, is, is designed to, you know, essentially bring everything that I love about the storefront theater uh, movement and and experience without the things that I think are annoying. <laughs> well, that's good. And, and you've accomplished that. And, and, and you're setting a benchmark. You, you, I know Chris Jones had an article. He said, yes. you've upped the ante. Uh, and and yeah, people are looking to, to remodel a place. They ought to come here and talk to you and give, you give them the grand tour. You can give them a lot of ideas. Oh, yes. No, we're, uh, I mean, we're talking, obviously, the theater building was recently purchased. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously been very interested in our, you know, 
Well, they need they need the work. Let's hope that group puts the money in. Yeah, I think just they, come next door. Now you you guys are really going to have uh, Belmont Avenue here. That twelve hundred block on Belmont Avenue is uh, well, going to yeah, really be the I'm place. Really excited about I, I was very worried before I realized that it was you know Lucabo was coming in to actually be the producers next door because mm-hmm. I was very excited to have six theaters in a hundred and seventy square hundred and seventy foot stretch of one street. Yeah, six theaters. Fantastic. I'm not sure that I, I don't think there's anywhere else in the world that has that. You know, I don't know. That's a good question um, for some of our world traveler reviewers yeah. and people if any, if been anyone, around. If anyone finds him, Tom, you know, email yeah. Tom immediately and tell yeah, him. Yeah, let me know. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, barring obviously, you know, you know, uh, huge cineplexes, mm-hmm. um, but for live theatrical presentation, um, you know, this, this quantity and variety of plays being offered in, in such a, a small storefront space or a stretch, I think is pretty unique. I think it's be great. And it helps everybody. Okay. You guys don't compete because it, it, well, theater is really not about competing. It's about all helping in, in community and community and one day they're here seeing your play and the next day they're next door and, and back and, and forth. Plays, and plays don't compete with each other. No. Very few people go to see a good play and think to themselves, well, that was good. I will return in 2.3 months. Like nobody thinks that. Yeah. When you see a good play, you know what you want to do? See another play. Yeah. You see a bad play? Yeah. You take a little break maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, the, you know, but theaters don't compete with each other the, the other forces competing for our attention are so much greater that to suggest theaters you know there's always this question like there's a limited pool of audience and theaters all have to fight each other for the audience because everyone imagines this fantasy this fantasy is that there's like five theaters in chicago and everyone who loves theater must go see all those shows so you don't have to spend any money communicating the story or, or, or trying to find find them they, they find you because they, they've only got five choices that's that's the every theater producer's fantasy yeah um, and that is a fantasy it's exactly. a myth it's, yeah it's, it'll never happen you know and, and but in sometimes that's true that sometimes yeah, it's one theater two theaters you know even some big theaters like you know I, when i was in dallas a few years ago i, I looked in the paper and there's there's five theaters five it's wow. a big city um you know so to say that the audience is spread thin is, I think, mistaken. The audience grows to expand to encompass the theaters that are there. Absolutely, um, and it's it growing. Is that you know, and we all have shows that you know um, don't speak to people at a particular moment. You know, in, in theater with history, we've had shows that have had brilliant reviews um, and have had played to houses, especially in the front part of like eight people. We've had shows that have had terrible reviews and played to houses of seventy. It 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 it. If a play, you know, captures you know. You know, popular imagination, people come to it. Word of mouth is still important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And word of mouth is how people, when people see something they like, that's how it spreads. I mean, I think there's a real limit. There's very little you could do without good word of mouth. Well, I want to get into that before we run out of time okay. and to spin your latest show, which I, I really thought was brilliant. I, 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 love, I love the play. I think it's uh, it's amazingly constructed. It's amazingly written. Um, which I didn't know. It, your wife wrote it. Yes, yes. It's okay, the, I didn't know uh, the third Penny show that Penny and I have collaborated yeah. on. Uh, the first one we did was uh, Now Then Again, um, which was this kind of romantic comedy about quantum physics that ended up playing for about 17 weeks. Wow. Um, and that was in nineteen in the early 90s. And then we did, uh, subsequent to that, we did a uh, uh, an adaptation of a, uh, a Thomas Middleton, Thomas Decker collaboration called The Roaring Girl, um, which uh, where she rewrote the, rewrote the plot and I rewrote the dialogue to match the, the diction of the Middleton. Um and uh, that was presented by Shakespeare's Motley Crew, uh, and that was uh, that was that was totally fun. We had a great time working on that. Um, and so you know, and she's been working on this one on and off, uh, you know, not steadily, but on and off for about nine years. A lot of people may know her. She she was a professor at Northwestern, right? Right. She yeah. uh, taught playwriting there until uh, a year before last, where she uh, decided to take time off to just actually just write. Well, I thought the play was brilliant. I, uh, 
your I mean every every part of it uh, from the beautiful set mm-hmm. which be- almost became a character actually becomes a character yeah it's, a, it's a key it's a key aspect so yeah you to, spend some money on to your your casting but uh, I I thought it was a very smart work so tell us tell us enough about it to get someone to come down here and see this beautiful theater and sure. see um, the show so the uh, uh, so the uh, uh, spin is about this uh, uh, an advertising uh, a former advertising executive he got fired about five months before the play starts he hasn't really gotten any offers because the recession is going and he's you know uh, you know no one's bar- knocking at his door uh, he kind of left in this big art fit and was a subject of a lot of gossip. And so he's decided, you know what, like so many of us, during the during this recession, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this time to remake myself. I'm going to become a better person. So he's, he decides he's too materialistic and he feels and he feels just emotionally disconnected, like he's been spending all his time doing something that doesn't matter. Um, he yeah, he's says, looking yeah, for life's yes, purpose. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm living a, a soulless job in a soulless life. Um, and... Uh, and um, and so he decides he's going to. So he decides he picks up. So he's studying Buddhism uh, from a book. Uh, he's uh, uh, he's there's a street kid on, that he's been trying to help out by giving her some money every so often when she's been spare change. And he's thinking maybe I can get her off the streets. So he's going through his uh, epiphany and his yeah. uh, do-gooder. Uh, yeah, well, sort he's of. going to his plan B. Yeah. Like we yeah. all have a plan B. Like here's yeah. the sort of person. If I didn't have to like take this job and make this money and do do these things, here's the sort of person I really am. You know, think of all the people going to teaching now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've Give always it. wanted to teach. Yeah. I've always wanted to teach. This is my chance. So he's, yeah. he's taking advantage of his chance. Okay. But he's finding it a little difficult. He's finding it hard because, like so many of us today, you know, when when t- when we lose so many of those uh, uh, keys to uh, the modern life about, um, uh, uh, you know, I'm a, I, I drink Starbucks. I, I use a, a, I'm an Apple Mac guy. I drive such and such a car. I have this sort of job, which brings this sort of respect. You know, there's all these kind of you know, consumerist ideas that attach to our own sense of self-identity and self-worth. And getting mm-hmm. rid of those is very difficult, very hard for people. And during the recession, a lot of people are trying to come to terms with, who am I if I'm not a guy who works downtown in a, at a bank who, you know, has, you know, that's the key to the play, and maybe that's why I liked it so much because I went through that and I gave right. up a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. And giving it up is very hard. And going after so, what you what you like to do, and, um, it's, and, you know, being involved in theater isn't necessarily a big money maker. Uh, that is certainly true, <laughs> but it is fun. Um, uh, so uh, he uh, he's not very good at it. He he, he, uh, he uh, his plans go terribly awry, and. Uh, he, he gets the girl. He's going to try to, you know, let her stay with him for a couple of days while he tries to get her into a shelter. And that very evening, an old buddy from his advertising agency shows up. Uh, he started a new firm. He's got this huge pitch. And before you could say lickety split, Brent casts off all of his great aspirations and just leaps back you head first back into the because he really loves the game, doesn't he? He he loves the game and he's comfortable there. It's it's it's, it's about it's about his sense of. Self worth and self identity. Well, tell us about the three actors in this. Two, the three yeah, key, the, the key actors. Yeah. So uh, we, we just, I mean, we just knocked it out of the park with casting here. I yeah. have to say, yes. Uh, so Co- uh, Coburn Goss is playing Brent, he's and he's lead. perfect. He's great on those roles. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. He's, I mean, he's uh, he's absolutely he's absolutely picture perfect as the kind of like you know earnest you know yuppie wannabe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then. Um, uh, Lance Baker, who we've worked with uh, oh, quite a lot here, who is uh, one of the uh, best in town, absolutely fantastic. He's um, he's playing uh, one of the account executives. Um, uh, interestingly, the play was originally about uh, many many years ago. The play was originally about Lance Baker's character, 
Um, and as it, we turn, I got to re- What would it have been? Because well, exactly, he does so much. I mean, with these little lines and yes. looks and everything. I mean, his timing. It's just yeah. His, Lance. So so he gets he gets ninety percent of the the best lines in the play. Yeah. Um, but and he's everybody's favorite. Uh, uh, and then um, Joe Faust, who actually was uh, in one of our first shows, who was also a, a comic and oh actor yeah, that I just admire to to Helen Gone, um, is the kind of you know uh, unapologetic. Uh, ad guy who you know embraces the, but he's the, the perfect ad guy he's amoral he's unjudgment yep. he's whatever works right yeah he's and got joe, no i mean he, he and, he's and really joe, dangerous isn't he? yes and yeah. joe's ability joe is a, a is remarkable at playing a dangerous person who you know you shouldn't be hanging out with and yet want to spend the, a lot of time with yeah he's, it's so and again know, we've all met people like that exactly. too yeah. yeah and you know and, and that's how that's how it all happens i mean you think you think you know all, all of the things that happen to um you know happen at these large corporations it's always because some guy's just trying to do his job mm-hmm. and he's he's a good guy you know i don't actually think i'm not even sure that the, the head of you know bp is a bad guy um yeah. Uh, we're finding out what his medal is now, but up until yeah. then, where they were, you know, doing all these choices, I think he was really trying to like save some money, not drive everyone crazy, like make a good product. Like I think he was trying to be yeah. a good person. And then the Lance Baker guy is the guy that kind of misled the government about how much yes. oil was coming out and all yes, that. Because exactly. I know, I know, there that's the key to the whole thing was right, not letting us know soon um, enough. Yeah, and okay. so you know, and so finding finding the, the kind of you know enjoyable, charismatic sociopath. <laughs> That's that's Mr. Faust. But the <laughs> writing, the 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 many layered attacks, because you got this buffoon college anarchist, this wannabe right. who thinks he's in the '60s but isn't, and he's a kind of an idiot character. Because at first I was wondering what what is what about this character? And then I realized what what they were going for with yeah, the, the I mean, anarchist boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a klutz. And and every every character in this play is basically kind of brought to the the, the edge of the the sense that consumerism and advertising is robbing us of something in ourselves you know you know that that we get emotionally disconnected by these things if we are who um, in this country can look out at a beautiful vista and not say to themselves now that is a kodak moment yeah so what does it mean to us as humans when beauty means kodak yeah. um very different experience about being alive yeah. and american yeah. and and these this this violence that's done to our inner psyches um, that what this comedy does is take all these different facets and put them on a, di- and it, it breaks them up into, you know. I mean, it's a comedy, but it's a comedy with a lot to say. And that's, to me, the great comedies had a lot to say. There's a lot of social commentary here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and some and, biting attacks. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, some people say some 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 quite startling things in, in the course of this, many of which are true. In fact, the person who says the most true things and the most shocking things is Joe Faust's character, Reg, who yeah. is continually saying exactly what it's like to being alive. It sounds awful, but it is true. Yeah. And he makes it sound kind of fun. So you know <laughs> Yeah, he's the Yeah. He is an um, interesting character. Yeah, that's uh, true. So um uh and so we, we get to see this kind of reflection of, of the this sense of emotional dislocation and emotional hurt um that we get when like it's the same thing that when when the towers fell, we all thought to ourselves, that looks just like a movie. What yeah. is it about media saturation in our culture yeah. that doesn't let us see something and not think it's like a movie? Yeah, that's true. It think this is real, and the the play and the characters—they're trying to find a way, you know, that they can be real. How do you be real in the middle of all this when all of these things 
you know, all these props get knocked out of you, especially now, the recession, all these things happen. When you start kind of doing a little tailspin, a little spin away from what you were, um, uh, what, how do we anchor ourselves? How do we anchor ourselves back to the, what's important in yeah. our lives? Well, it's spin. Tell us what days it's playing. A little commercial uh, it's now. A, oh, yes, commercial. It's playing uh, Thursdays through Sundays. Um, uh, uh, you should you should definitely check the website. There are a couple shows sold out at the moment, but uh, the rest of them Good. are open. Um, uh, and it's playing through the fifth uh, of June at the at Theater Wit, twelve twenty nine West Belmont. And go our to the Theater Wit. Yeah. So our phone number is seven seven three nine seven five eight one five zero, and the website, of course, is theaterwit.org. Okay, now you recommend that the people get reservations ahead because you've yes, been selling out. Absolutely. Good, folks. It's a terrific show, and the space you'll love. The seats are comfortable. The place is beautiful, and you're seeing top notch theater. Excellent. Tell us what the ticket price is. Uh, it's a it's a uh, suggested donation of twenty five dollars. Twenty five for how many equity actors? Uh, three equity actors. Three in the, in the state. Wow, three three of the top people. Yeah. It's a bargain, folks. Absolutely. Yeah, and you 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 have the little, you have the little uh, coffee thing at the end at the end. Yeah, of so the show. you get not only that you get a free coffee clutch at the end. So how can you resist? Yeah. So get get there and see it, <laughs> Jeremy. Congratulations on on what you've done. It's it's amazing, and the the chutzpah to have this and have the vision and to be booked. Yeah, terrific. You're I mean, it's going to be decades. Of Last thing awesome I got to say because I'm running out of time. Tell us the name of the other theater companies that are they're going to be in residence here. Um, so the resident companies this coming season are going to be Shattered Globe, okay, um, uh, Bohemian Theater Ensemble, and okay. Stage Left Theater. So with three that, terrific groups. Yes, with them and Theater Wit, we have a kind of fantastic, kind of nice mix of a whole variety of styles. There's not too much overlap between any of the companies. Yeah, um, we're also offering starting next month. Uh, all of the companies are banding together, so we're offering a flex pass for the building. So at a, at, at a for basically about about twenty some dollars a ticket, twenty one bucks a ticket, um, you can use this. It's like a ten card, a ten punch uh, card. Okay. You come in, come ten people to one show. You can come five times to shows. You can do any shows in the building. Oh, okay, that's so, good. Instead of buying a subscription and managing that. And some theater groups, uh, a couple have mentioned to me uh, to ask you about. If you're going to have like off-night rentals and things that we do, yeah. uh, we, there are we, in addition to the resident companies, there are some people, there are some theaters renting just regular performance slots. Okay, there's a lot of space here through the course of the year. Um, there's a group doing. I know there's at least one group right now already booked for some late nights. There's another improv company. We have got a dance company coming in. There's off nights. I mean, you know, the goal is to get the building up and Good. active seven days a week. So Great. We're, we're close. So just contact you for that. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. And Thanks remember, folks, go see a play this week. Mm-hmm.